This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim, Pastor Michael, and Pastor Craig here in the studio. We've been answering questions on the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare. So, Pastor Michael, what's our question today? Today, uh, the question is, can you prove that a spiritual realm exists? There's a lot of things that are real that we cannot necessarily prove. And prove means how, how much proof do they need? Like, I can't prove that Craig has a brain, but I believe he does. Uh, wow. he, cer- he certainly acts like it. <laughs> wow. The evidences point to the fact that he does. Yeah. You look at the results and you say, okay, here's the results. So that proves I'm that sitting this right exists. here. I'm literally sitting right here. <laughs> Do you feel like we're talking around you? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> we're not talking over you. We're talking around you. We're talking about you. <laughs> All right. So this is fun. I mean, the answer is no. I don't have a brain. (laughs) (laughs) You jumped in. Let's go back to the question. Can you prove that a spiritual realm exists? And I cannot unequivocally, that's right, prove that a spiritual realm exists. But you see evidence of it. You see evidence of it. I see evidence of it. Um, without the spirit realm, much of the world does not make sense. Right. Um, but can I, if you're a skeptic, that's like saying, prove to me, Jesus is God. I'm like, okay, I can't, I can give you logical proofs. I can give you evidence. Um, this is a question that I don't know who the person is right there, but I guarantee you they're either someone who has serious doubts about the spiritual realm and God and Jesus in the Bible, or they're working with somebody who does. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is another hard truth of the Christian faith is that a requirement for salvation is faith and faith cannot be given through logic. Faith mm. is the gift of God. And um, and so this is a moment where I would probably tell this person, let's just assume they're struggling with their faith. Jesus says the same thing because he says, nobody knows where the spirit comes from. Spirit's like the wind. It's very difficult very to, to put concrete evidence on that thing. Yep. But we know it exists because Number one, the Bible tells us. Yeah, that's a perfect a spiritual example, yeah. which you know, requires we, faith. Jesus is using the wind there to identify that there are things that we know are real because we see the evidence of them. Yep. And for me, the greatest evidence of the spiritual realm being real is seeing the results of that, seeing what happens when you encounter a person who has come to faith in Jesus and their life changes radically. radically. That that. That does not happen because a person wants to. We have a will to change, but when it radically changes, when a person goes from hating God to loving God, from hating God's word to loving God's word, from not wanting to worship anyone but themselves to worshiping God alone, that's a radical change. Now, that's on the God side. We see the same thing on the demonic side, that people go from nice, calm, cool, collected to encountering a person that has a demon or a demonic force working in their life, their voice changes, their countenance changes. They say things that you would normally, th- that person would never say in their own personality. So the proof would be more anecdotal rather than there's not like it's a, a tool. Like I can't put on glasses that are like, oh, there's and, and a spiritual realm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we just need to understand that like if, if we are dealing with somebody who is not a Christian, anecdotal evidence does not increase, does not develop faith. Faith comes from the gift of God and anecdotal evidence increases one's faith once they have it. 
Sure. I, I think that's just a clear distinction that it's going to be anecdotal primarily. There are no measurement tools or logical devices that are going to unequivocally scientifically prove that there's a spiritual realm, which is fine. Next question. How interested are Christians supposed to be in the spirit world? Mm. I'll, I'll give it a little quick answer. Very and not at all. Right. Yeah. So like in the spiritual world, I pray and I engage it. I pray for God to move in the spiritual realm. But if they're talking, which I think they're talking like at the world of spirits, I'm not really interested at all. Mm-mm. I mean, no. if the Lord drops it in my lap and says, deal with it, I'll deal with it. But I'm not going to go hunt it down. But the reality is we live in a physical world and our physical body has to encounter and live within the physical world and the rules in which the physical world operates. As Christians, we also operate in a spiritual world that has rules and has has guidelines. Mm. Scripture teaches us we're in a spiritual battle. The battle that we're in is not against flesh and blood. So I have a question for you. This person mm-hmm. might bring up a verse of scripture found in Ephesians chapter five. And I know we went through Ephesians. So this one, I'm curious to know what you say about this, Michael. Uh, 11 says, take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead expose them for it's shameful even to speak of those things that they do in secret. Mm-hmm. Is that talking about the spiritual realm in there? No. Okay. Uh, I think that's talking about evil people doing evil things. And then what they're saying is that they're so bad, we can't even talk about them. Mm. So I would probably go with that one that that is the, but those activities are motivated by the demonic realm. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, they're so vile. Paul doesn't even want to mention them. And mm-hmm. Paul mentioned some pretty vile acts in the new Testament. Um, but these take it to places where he's like, we don't even want to, we don't even want to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And those are places typically of deep demonic influence. Is there, is there a danger of walking into this world, exploring it too much? Okay. I'm going to make it world is what you're talking about. Which demonic world? World. Okay. Demonic in the world. demonic world, Absolutely. I, d- I just don't want to explore it. I have no need to explore it. Like I'll give you just maybe a parallel. Um, Adam and Eve are in, in the garden and um, there's a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there is a naivete, if you will, an innocence that it is okay if we don't know. I don't need to know everything. In fact, Adam and Eve are created to be innocent of certain knowledge. And there is some knowledge that you cannot unknow, as Al Mohler says, um, you are stuck with it and God, um, it's just not going to do you any well. Mm. On the other hand, we live in a world where that knowledge confronts us and we can't unknow what we are forced to know because it's forced in our face. And, um, so I think there is a wise limitation of knowledge that we should pursue. There are things that God does not want us to be experienced in. So a loved one, a friend of mine goes mm. through some demonic activity and I'm thinking to myself, I think there's some residue there. I think some, mm. a demon might've attached themselves or possess that person. Can I explore that? Can I look into that a little bit more? Or is there a danger to me if I end up doing that? No, that would be a moment where that's in your life now. That's like in your okay. your lap. And then you would start using your discernment. Again, I would point everybody back to the first question on Monday's podcast of this week to maybe help discern six things that will help you discern mm-hmm. whether or not something is really demonic in nature. But if that is a circumstance that it's in your lap, it's in your life, it's in your, we'll say, sphere of influence, that's very different than like seeing something on TV and wanting to go deeper and studying. I would put them in different categories. Yeah. What do you think? I agree. I think uh, from the very beginning, we're told that Satan is waiting at the door, crouching at the door, waiting for that crack to open. And when we open that crack out of curiosity or out of just a hunger to know more of things that really we're not told about on purpose. I think there's a danger of our fallenness taking over and our curiosity taking over. And we want too much 
And when that happens, we we end up cracking that door a little too much and we might get more than we bargained for. I think I would counsel someone who is interested for personal reasons to find out more about the demonic world and demonic activity. Balance that off with going to scripture and focusing on Jesus. Oh, yeah. Another question that goes right off this is, what should I do when I see others invoking the spiritual realm, good or bad? If you see somebody invoking the demonic realm or seances or Ouija boards, episode number 40, by the way, yep. in our podcast, um, don't touch it. Don't go near that. If if they are at all spiritual, you can give them a fine warning and just say, hey, I can't participate in that. Here's why, because the Bible teaches that these are demonic spirits. Mm. People do have... there is. There is something inside of them, non-Christians particularly who are dabbling in this, is, that says there's something spiritual bigger than me. And mm-hmm. um, so for you even just to give them biblical clarity on that could actually prick their conscience. Yeah. It'd be a great opportunity to share Christ. Yeah. The natural curiosity is because we're made in the image of God, we have a spiritual side to us. And Tim, like you said earlier, we know that we're spiritual, even though we're not able to necessarily put that down on paper and 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 give a concrete reason why. Like every culture on planet Earth that's ever existed for millennia has a spiritual side. Has a spiritual side. Because they they want to worship something. Because we're created in the image of God and fallen as we are, we know we have a spiritual side. So there's a natural curiosity to explore that even further. And if you do that as a non-believer, you are not clothed properly to do that. And that's why I think, like we talked about in in one of our earlier podcasts, Mm. Satan comes to us through our children Mm. because they are innocent and they don't understand, they don't have the categories to put together where Satan will come at them. And so through our natural curiosity, we can be led down a very, very dangerous road. Do Christians have the authority, the authority to rebuke the devil? Absolutely. So Michael, our archangel, is duking it out with Satan for the body of Moses. And uh, he says, the Lord rebuke you. Mm -hmm. And this is idea that even he didn't rebuke Satan. Like there's a healthy respect in the angelic realm. Now one could say that's angel to angel. That doesn't apply. Uh, Michael has not been bought with the blood of Christ. Does not have the Holy spirit resident inside of him. So we, we can say, I rebuke you Satan. Now what's interesting is the Bible does not tell us to rebuke him. It tells us to resist resist him. What is the distinction here? Now, we could rebuke him and say, I rebuke you, Satan, get out of here. But like, is there a difference to rebuke? Is that different than resisting? Yes. And the reason is because if we rebuke the devil, we rebuke him because of who we are and whose we are. Mm. So we don't have the ability to rebuke the devil just because we're Just because of us. Oh, good grief. Well, didn't that happen with the sons of Sceva? He's like, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but But who who are you? you? Bam, 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 punch, punch. Whoops, sorry. And the passage that you're talking about in in Jude, just for our listeners so they understand where that's in Jude uh, 1 and verse 9, where the angel Michael is disputing with the devil. But we're created in the image of God. And so if we have the Holy Spirit that's indwelling us. We have the, all the power of God at our disposal. Mm-hmm. And even the disciples, before they were filled with the Spirit, are given this authority to cast out demons. So when we do that, it's important that we remember that we do have the ability to rebuke the devil, but only because of who we are and whose, whose we, we are. are. That's right. right then. I'm yeah. going to yeah. call you on that. All right, last question of the week. Lots and lots and lots of them. Here's the final one that uh, we received that we have not touched on yet, I think. What is the spiritualist church. I'm going to be candid. I have no clue what yeah. you're asking. I have never heard of this in my entire life. So I Wikipedia'd it so I could sound smart. But then I was like, Michael, don't give a false impression. You don't know what it is. So the best I could come up with is it's a religion, a spiritual perspective 
that believes that when you die, your body floats between the world, the, the eternal world and the present world. That's where we have ghosts. And then there's yep. a whole um, world of mediums that tap into these, we'll say souls. So you can go to these mediums and they will allow you to have conversations with your deceased relatives who are floating um, between eternity and earth after death. Um, apparently it's all over the world, although it's not huge, it is global. And it sounds to me like psychics organized. That's what it sounds like to me too. Um, that's the best I could psychics tell you. Psychics organized. Yeah. yeah like, organized psychics. Well, no, they're, they're a 501c3 <laughs> nonprofit. So like there is like a, there, there is an organization and a tax exemption status, which let's be honest. If I was, if I was like a demonically motivated psychic, I'd be like, how do I not pay taxes? Like, right. that's a good idea. Um, so I get what they're doing. That's pretty genius actually. Sounds like they're being influenced by somebody pretty smart. So um, anyway, so I would just say stay away from spiritualist churches as far as you possibly can, because it is thermo, thermo it's demonic. There's a war going on in the spiritual realm. Yeah. But that is crystal clear in scripture. Sure. Ephesians chapter five and six. So these are the passages that we've been looking at. Did you just preach on that? I did. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for that. And all of that comes to us through people, through authority, through rulers, through all yeah. of these different areas that uh, Ephesians 6 tells us about. So we need to be aware that that is taking place. If you want to tap into the spiritual world without the protection of God and without looking for the true spirit of God, mm. then you are tapping into a world where God is not going to make himself known, but there's lots of spirits who will. Oh, yep. yeah. Well, Craig, you nailed it. Tim, you're awesome. You nailed it. Me? We'll see. Mm. Good job. All right, next Monday, we're going to go back to our normal rhythm and routine. And uh, Pastor Craig is going to be with me for a couple days. And the question we're going to deal with on Monday is this. <laughs> what do you do? How do you handle somebody is who is always bitter always. and always wow. complaining? Wow, that's a doozy. So I look forward to answering that with you, Pastor Craig. And audience, we will see you next Monday.